0: Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. Sorry, this one's coming up. Oh, well, I mean, just a day late. Not too bad, actually, really, considering that in the old days, I used to do about 12 of these a year. Uh, We're on our weekly schedule, uh, trying to keep to that, which is good. Uh, At the moment, there's been a few blokes in a row. I will say that. Uh, Partly that is because I lost some episodes. Yes, it has happened. Uh, It has happened with all my other podcasts that hadn't happened with Willosophy yet. Uh, but now it has. Uh, during the comedy festival, I sat down with Kitty Flanagan and Jason Byrne in the same day. And somehow those two episodes have gone missing. And when I say somehow, probably my fault. Uh, <laughs> it's normally my fault at the end of the day. Uh, I've tried to take as much of me being involved with this podcast out of the system to avoid things like this. We have Mike Hal, uh, our US producer, who uh, pieces it all together and makes it happen for you guys. And I have uh, podcast Mike, uh, young Mike, who's now producing the podcast, booking guests, uh, helping uh, it come out every week. And uh, look, here's the thing. Mike's going to come around tomorrow when I record a new episode, and he's going to upload it onto his computer as well, because it turns out uh, when you leave a dickhead like me in charge, we need a backup plan. So I firstly want to apologize to Kitty Flanagan and Jason Byrne, who were both so generous to give me their time uh, to do the podcast, but also did such Wonderful podcasts. I'm so disappointed uh, that you won't get to hear them. I mean, I got to hear them, so I guess in a purely selfish way, I got to have a wonderful uh, conversation with Kitty Flanagan and I got to have a wonderful conversation with Jason Byrne uh, that I felt very honored to be part of. Unfortunately, you guys don't get to listen to it. Uh, Here's the thing Um, I reckon Kitty will probably sit down with me again at some stage. Uh, And we'll try to do another episode. Uh, I'll lure lure her to the house with the dogs because uh, Kitty loves dogs. And we talked about that a lot in the podcast that you won't hear. But the dogs weren't here this time. Uh, By next time, hopefully I can invite her over and she can hang out with the dogs and uh, we'll do another podcast. The Jason Byrne one, I've got to say, I'm particularly disappointed in losing because... Uh, Jason said at the end of it that no one had really ever interviewed him like that because uh, Jace uh, being so hilariously funny and uh, so incredibly entertaining often when he's doing interviews people just expect him to be mad to be wacky and we had a really deep conversation about you know the nature of philosophy the meaning of life uh, you know where he grew up and uh, what was important to him and uh, yeah I'm devastated to lose it. It was a, a wonderful conversation to be part of and you know incredibly grateful that I got to have it with him, and in a way, I feel very privileged that I'm the only person who's had that conversation with him, but I am also devastated that you guys won't get to hear it. Uh, Jace obviously lives in another country, but he visits Australia every year or two, so Hopefully, at another stage, Jason and I will get to sit down and do it again. Uh, so I apologise for that. I apologise to them in particular because both of them gave their time so generously to me and uh, it is incredibly disappointing that I don't have an episode to share with you guys because of that. Uh, Kitty Flanagan is currently on tour right around Australia, so check out her shows wherever you can go and see Kitty Flanagan. She is one of the greatest comedians this country has ever produced. All right, today's episode. Here's what you got to know. James Keogh is the name that we have on this episode, and there was a little bit of a debate around uh, this with podcast Mike and uh, Sam Cav and uh, a few other people involved in the podcast about whether we would release this episode under his stage name, um, Vance Joy. He's best known as Vance Joy. That's the name that he performs his music under, Vance Joy. But James Keogh was the man that I sat down and talked to, and James Keogh was how he introduced himself on the podcast, so... This podcast is under the name James Keogh, but don't go to Keo.com. go to vancejoy.com, vancejoy.com and uh, find out where James is performing with his band and uh, go and see him. Uh, just a beautiful musician, a really beautiful guy. I was uh, just rapt that he came over to the house in the middle of an incredibly busy schedule. He had time to squeeze it in and I loved having this chat with him, getting to know him. Uh, we'd met a couple of times before, but we did not know each other very well at all and um, I just loved having this chat with him there was a record uh, company executive sitting in the corner it's rare that that happens normally it's a one-on-one conversation maybe podcast michael sit in if he's around but uh normally it's a one-on-one conversation uh this time we had someone in the corner i don't think it really affected the conversation at all uh but uh, I just wanted to let you know that was what was going on and if you like this podcast um, we have a Twitter and a Instagram and I think a Facebook as well uh, Podcast Mike is uh, in charge of all those so come and find us in the places where you find things uh, subscribe to the podcast that means you get a new episode delivered to you every week and obviously that's great for us uh, we're going to look for a sponsor for the podcast at some stage to help pay James Bozdyk who does the original art for each episode well I mean we're already paying James and we're already paying Podcast Mike and Mike Howe Uh, But at the moment, that's just coming out of, uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Tofop, T-O-F-O-P. It's for all the podcasts uh, in the Tofop uh, little world that we have. Uh, Charlie and I have our podcast, Tofop. I have a spinoff called Fofop. Uh, You can find those. They're a bit stupider than this. Uh, Basically, Charlie and I have uh, inane and stupid conversations that are occasionally, hopefully funny. And uh, if you're going to start listening to TOEFOP, I would recommend starting at the new episodes and working your way back. Don't start at the start. It was a long time ago when we started doing the podcast, eight years or so ago. And look, some of the early episodes are particularly rough and have some subject matter that perhaps we wouldn't discuss if we were doing the podcast today. So start with the new ones and and then go back and listen to the old ones if that's what you're going to do. So uh, there is heaps of episodes of philosophy. We're trying to put out one every single week. Uh, which is really exciting. I'm going to sit down with M. Rusciano tomorrow. So I reckon that'll be a really great chat. She's a really interesting person. And, uh, you know, like a, a bunch of really, um, you know, firmly held and stridently expressed opinions. And I mean that in the nicest of all ways. I'm just very excited that I'm going to sit down with it because I imagine it could go anywhere and I'm really looking forward to getting to know em and uh having a conversation about things that the she thinks are important on the podcast so uh follow us on philosophy pod uh, wherever you can find us uh, support us on patreon and uh, just share the podcast around uh you know rate it uh promote it help uh retweet it or share it on instagram or any of those sort of things if you enjoy the podcast because the more you do that Obviously, the bigger our reach is and the more opportunity we have to, you know, attract a sponsor to the podcast. And if we can attract a sponsor to the podcast, then uh, you're going to be guaranteed that you can hear this podcast every week. So that's basically how it goes. I mean, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, If uh, the podcast is going well and we uh, can bring in enough money to just make sure that everybody gets paid, then it's going to come out weekly for as long as we can possibly do it. And I'm going to, um, you know, talk to a whole range of really interesting people, hopefully over the next uh, year or so. So uh, that's all you really need to know. Uh, Again, uh, Vancejoy.com is the place where you can find James's stuff uh, and uh, find out where he's performing and, uh, you know, go and see him, do a show, support him. And if you like this episode, tweet him about it and Let him know that you enjoyed this episode and uh, share the love around. Um, I still have some shows to do, my Will Eagle Tour, which is my favourite show that I've ever done uh, in my entire life. In fact, I'm now at the point that I'm enjoying it so much that I'm terrified about what I'll do next year. Uh, It's all about me getting arrested on the way to Wagga Wagga and I feel like to do a sequel to it, I'm going to have to get arrested again for something worse. So uh, come and see this show uh, before I get locked up that's probably the advice I'm giving to you so I'm off to Canberra first I'm doing my first big show in Canberra for a very long time I normally go to Canberra and do the the work in progress shows work up my new tour Um, but I'd been promising Canberra audiences for a while that I would come back with a fully formed show and so uh, you get to see this show right at the peak of uh, me enjoying doing it and I think it's at its best at the moment so Canberra and then Sydney after that I'm hoping there'll be some overseas shows and some more Australian shows and Uh, a whole bunch of other things because I'm not done with this show yet and I'm really enjoying doing it and I actually think there's some more growth left in it. Hopefully not some more actual time growth because it took 90 minutes the other night in person. That feels like it might be a tad too long. So I might have to edit a few things, cut it down a little uh, along the journey, but uh, come out and see a show. That'd be absolutely fantastic and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, there you go. Uh, I've just got to stop talking. Here's uh, James Keogh. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast and this is how the podcast starts. I ask our guest who they are and then they answer. So this is that bit. Uh, who are you?
1: I'm uh, James Keogh uh, and I perform music under the name Vance Joy.
0: Um, I'm always fascinated. You're not the first uh, person who I've had on the podcast who has uh, an alter ego, uh, yeah. you know, uh, performs under a different name to the you know, the name that they you know, have in real life. And I'm mm. always interested in how those people answer that question. Because yes. it is, where did, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but just to set the agenda. Yes. For, where did the idea of differentiating, you know, your name, your real life name from your performing name come mm. from? Why did you think that was a thing that you wanted to do? Um,
1: The the first reason or the first, um, I guess one of the motivations was, I was uh, I was playing open mic nights um, in, I guess, in Melbourne and the first one I ever did was at a bar called The Great Britain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they had a great uh, open mic night. It might have been, say, w- Monday night. And I arrived in, it was in 2010 and I did put my name down on the sheet where you kind of write down your name among, you know, an, a bunch of names and you get to play three songs. And uh, I put myself down as James Keogh and... Um, even when the guy was reading my name out, he's like, now James Keogh. And I'm like, "Mm." Mm. (laughs) hmm. And I was like, "This." even if that was the way you said it, it just doesn't sound good. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. And so people mispronounce it a lot. And, you know, that was one example. Um, And I, so there was that kind of feeling like I wanted to have something that was more, like, I guess, more memorable and easier to pronounce. Um, But also, I, I guess I was... I you know it's like that thing it's like not a convincing reason like but it was everyone else was doing it and uh, I went to school with a guy named Nick Murphy uh, and he perf- he started performing under the name Chet Faker and uh, so I was like oh that's what you got to do you got to <laughs> if you want to do good he was doing really well so and he had a different name so I was like I got to think of a different name obviously that's how it works um, and he was he kind of started making. I guess he started his career was like blossoming and and kind of at least take, launching like it, like a full year before I even did anything. And so I uh, I could see that happening like for a whole year I could hear him on the radio and like see that it was doing really well. And um so I you know I had that clear evidence that that's what you had to do. And yeah, I think um yeah, and I started I just was reading a book uh the book Bliss by Peter Carey and I saw the name Vance Joy about 20 pages in and I thought it's a cool name. It's you know, and I and I remember I mentioned it to my girlfriend at the time and she was like, "No, nah, it's no good." <laughs> 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 and like and like I had a bunch of names in uh, other ideas, like band ideas, like names in my phone. Um and it's funny cuz like when you road test things like that with other people, it's crazy the amount of like just the negativity you might get or even just like the strong opinions. Like, it's like, oh, Vance Joy. And it's like a whole car of people would be like, no, that sucks. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, it's like, and you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I thought it was good. And it's it's funny, like, until you have, you know, at least even a little thing to show for yourself. It's like, it's hard to kind of stand by that and feel confident about changing your name to something.
0: Uh, Is there, was there at the start and is there now a difference between James and advance like is there mm. a freedom in you know kind of uh, establishing a new identity an identity that isn't everything that is you
1: um i don't i mean i guess maybe i would have a different perspective if if it was james Keogh or james keog uh, <laughs> you know, like if people were like oh it's james Keogh. I hey are you james Keogh from you know thing and maybe i would think oh wow all my identity is tied up in now it's like there's no you know it's just like I don't have a little safe place, which is a private zone. Um, but I feel like there's no real difference between like Vance joy and, you know, me, especially like, I guess sometimes I'll, you know, in a safe, I'd play a very intimate show for like 30 people at a radio, uh, you know, for like a radio station or even if it's just like a, our own, our own show that we put on, um, as like a, like a special secret show. Um, if I look at footage, like, you know, I looked at a video of me talking in between songs and I was like, man, like, you are going on a tangent. Like, people who weren't weren't there would just have no idea. Like, I felt like, oh, wow, I was really, like, being myself. And I was like, I wonder how well me being me translates to, like, a lot of people. Because I think you get little snippets of like who I am, but I speak like, say like one sentence between each song at a show and maybe like an extended story. But it's a story that I've probably told a lot of times and it's, uh, it's you know, it's kind of like a little bit like, you know, uh, it's not completely me. Like it's, you know, it's, I'm choosing a, a story that I think will appeal broadly
0: right so, in between this song and this song we do this bit yeah we, we tell, tell the story tell the story with well, yeah. some
1: tweaks but yeah it's like and the band is just like yeah we well, you know this one mate
0: <laughs> tell your little story i've got to go to the toilet <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah johnny the bass player is like eating like a second dinner <laughs> while i'm playing the solo song in the middle of the set <laughs> and he's like got his in-ears and in, he's like is he gonna tell the story because if he tells a story then i can definitely have this like, you know, lasagna. But if he doesn't tell the story, I have to get back out there. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's the show is pretty, you know, very like, it's pretty like organized. And every time there is a deviation, the band will be like, oh, that was good when you'd said that like one word differently. And I was like, it's all it takes to like make it fresh. But
0: Uh, It's really interesting to me. uh, Yeah, before we jump into the philosophy thing, um, I just want to spend a little bit of time with this idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, yeah you know, it not being your own name you know because mm. i'm someone who performs you know obviously under my own name yeah uh, but you know the the will anderson who tells those stories on stage is just a version of who i am as mm. a person mm. so sometimes you know there becomes a bit of an awkwardness in people not being able to understand the differentiation or myself not being mm. able to understand yeah which one that i'm being at mm. different times and i just wonder if so so for example I'll just yeah. like for example mm. do people call you like if they see you at the shops and they recognize who you are I assume mm. they say to you Vance Joy right Yeah yeah And that's fine right That's fine yeah Yeah you're just like you don't feel any need to go no I'm Vance Joy that's fine that's I don't need to tell you that I have another name or yeah, anything yeah. like that I can still be no. Vance Joy at the shops
1: Yeah I'm st- I'm Vance Joy at the shops and in all kind of random encounters when someone is like recognize me recognizing me as Vance Joe um and I think I, I I like I like the sense of I do like this in terms of like the anonymity of like James I like that you know I, it's like for example like if I go to a cafe and they don't know who I am I like the idea of not getting any preferential treatment or even not not even that it's like they give me what I won't get a free coffee but it's like even just being like oh hey and then like maybe a photo at the end or whatever it is I don't like, I like not having any of that kind of pressure. Well, or even, if
0: you're at a coffee place where they have to say your name, if they said Vance, that's going to, everybody's going to look in that direction. But, yeah. you know, James, you can slip by, get your coffee, get out of there. Exactly,
1: yeah. And, I yeah, I like that when it's like, you know, if, even like say you're getting a haircut and it's like the hairdresser doesn't know that you play music. Um, and I guess if I was, if it was James Keogh, I was like, oh, is that James Keogh from the, the song that I recognize or something? uh and immediately i'd be recognized and it's not that i don't want to be recognized it's just like it's kind of nice just like i guess yeah not not uh just not having to uh it's almost like a bit of pressure it's like oh you do music it's like oh i have to talk about music and it's like they might not and it's in a good way that that person will be presenting a great version of themselves like they'll be kind and they'll be even more interested in me but it's like it's like oh my god
0: well, have you had one of those moments? A friend of mm. mine uh, famously sat next to a guy at a party mm. and the guy said, uh, you know, I'm in a band and uh, my friend doing that thing that sometimes you say to someone at a party when they're like, you know, oh, you're in a band, you know. You, how's your band going? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that sort of thing. And they're like, he was like, well, my name's Dave Grohl. I'm in the Foo Fighters. And they were <laughs> like, well, probably pretty good then, I assume. <laughs> that band you had before that were all right as well. <laughs> so have you? do you have those moments? Are there moments that the mm. anonymity means that someone like really is surprised by the fact that when you tell them you know i'm I'm Mm. van stroy you know that song that you heard Mm. in this hairdresser every day for six months yeah yeah i wrote that song
1: yeah i think yeah it's probably and it probably would require me to like say uh because i could say van stroy but to a a lots of people like you know i mean uh you know they have no idea what i'm talking about so i'm like van stroy like oh uh Know you, so my, my my Uber driver in... And I'm like, I'm not expecting them. I'm not like expecting them to know me nah. at all, of course. But it's like, I'm in, so Glasgow and the Uber driver's like, oh, what are you guys doing? It's like, do we say we're just students or do we just like, you know, do we just say we're the band? I'm like, oh, we're just, we we're playing a show here. And he's like, oh yeah, what are you playing? We're like, oh, we're playing at this place. And he's like, oh, what's the name of the band? It's like, Vance Joy. He's like, oh, um, I think my little sister will know you. um Can I get a photo? But it's like... <laughs> But then he'll be like, do I know your songs? And then I'm like, all right, well, I guess I could sing him like a melody, like the chorus melody of Riptide. But then he might still not know and I'll just be like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I can't give you any more than that. There's nothing else I can do besides searching myself and like giving you proof, but...
0: Uh, yeah. What was your. Uh, okay, let's talk about the philosophy and then we can use that as a framework <laughs> to talk about other things. So, mm-hmm. it, do you have one? Is there something, is there some mm-hmm. sort of, you know, motto or philosophy or perspective you have on, you know, some aspect of your life that you're happy to share with people?
1: Yeah. I, I thought when, when we were talking about that, I thought of, I guess, was thinking of two different philosophies and I don't even know if they're, like, I, I try and think of what is something that I, like, almost like a mantra that I repeat and it, and it might not even be there's two things that I say all the time. And sometimes I think it's just a way of, it's like almost like I just, that's my go-to response. So I feel like someone's always, you know, if someone asks me what's happening or my dad's like, how's the how's the songwriting going? How's the recording going? I should be like, chipping away. Uh, and which I feel like was a good, um, that was the, my approach for the last few years. Um, or even for my making my first album, it was just chipping away slowly. And I feel like a lot of my songs and a lot of, a lot, of, a lot of things happened just really gradually. Uh, so I felt like that has been a philosophy for songwriting. Uh, and then another philosophy that I felt like, or a mantra that I would say, which I haven't really stuck to as much or I haven't found myself saying, but I think for a few years, especially early on when I was starting music and I felt like a lot of pressure, uh, you know, and, and learning how to kind of just just how to like, you know, exist in like with, you know, within a, the framework of having a label and managers and expectations uh, before making my first album, I would say often, I would say it is what it is. And that was like my, I think a way of dealing with pressure and, and the fact that, you know, sometimes I felt like I was making decisions that were like, you know, I was getting like, you know, pressure. The record label says we like this song. You need to record that song. You send us a one minute voice memo and we like that song. And I'm like, I hate that voice memo I wish I never sent it <laughs> you know I feel like that sometimes happens and that that happened around the time of my first album and I was like cool it is what it is like I'm just gonna you know kind of almost like do some do, mate do some things and just push through even if it's like I might have to do like record something that I'm, I wasn't sure about and didn't necessarily know if it was good or not and it's like I'm glad I I don't know it's like I, I kind of accepted some things and just pushed through, and I uh, well, that I mean, was able to was able to yeah, kind of uh, I guess uh, overcome some stuff, or at least you know it didn't it didn't I never got hung up on anything too long that it really like uh, I didn't let it defeat me or you know make me feel like uh, it didn't it didn't like kind of what I'm trying to say derail like things and I could kind of
0: push through and I actually really love that because I think that that is it's one of those things that I think is a little underrated which is how how quickly you can be Mm. derailed by something that doesn't Mm. matter Mm. Or how much time you can spend thinking about or worrying about something Mm. that perhaps doesn't have anywhere near the consequences that you imagine that that thing might Mm. have. Sometimes it's easier just to do the thing and Mm. move on to the other thing that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to know when to fight those battles, obviously. You've got to know when to say, this is the time where I'm not just going to do that thing because that's Mm. what defines you. but there seems like there's two really separate things going on there, but mm. they're close to each other to me, which is mm. one of them is about the nature of acceptance, right? Mm. You know, except that there are some things that you can't change or that mm. other people's ideas might be as you know relevant as your ideas. Mm. But the chipping away thing, I love as well, mm. because it, it speaks to two things for me. Mm. Um, and I'll say these things and then I like you to unpack them and, you know, yep. see if I'm anywhere near the point or completely mm. in the opposite mm-hmm. direction. And it doesn't really matter which, but, mm-hmm. um, it feels like two things to me one is this idea of persistence right you know Mm. that a lot of the work is just doing the work Mm -hmm. and uh we spoke this morning on um radio and one of the things that we had a chat about off air was the idea that you know off the back of some success that you'd had you'd gone to america Mm. and you were going from radio station to radio station market Mm. to market you know sometimes Mm. playing in front of you know yeah the few sales staff who were in at that time of the morning to hear you play um and that to me spoke of that, right? That to me mm. feels like chipping away. Yeah. That's me going in and going, I'm going to build this from the ground up. Mm. I'm going to yeah, go around and I'm going to do everything that needs mm. to be done to get this mm. done, right? Mm-hmm. But the second thing that I wanted to speak to was... There's this. Uh, it comes up a lot, but it's a Michelangelo quote about the idea mm. that the sculpture is already inside the yeah the, mm. the block. You just have to find mm. which bits to chip away mm. to reveal what it is. So mm. it says two things to me. I like them both. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you speak to it, what I'm right about and wrong about. Well, I, no, I feel like I feel
1: like they're both right. Especially the the Michelangelo um, idea um, definitely makes sense to me, especially with songwriting because. I feel like you hear songwriters talk about it like um like you know great songwriters like Paul Kelly or Bob Dylan or whoever it is and they'll say like the song already existed you know like I just somehow I got turned onto the right frequency and the song came channeled through me um and I think to be you know sometimes you're lucky enough to kind of channel a whole song you're like well did that like how did that happen and I think that's a rare moment like you, there might be little moments where you channel like a really magic moment or like even just a couple of lines or, you know, something. But I feel like some really special songs, I'm sure, like seem to be like a whole miracle that just happened in like a short period of time. So I, that Michelangelo thing, I feel like it's, that makes sense to me that it's, it's already pre-existing in in, in its form. Um, and then also, also with that chipping away idea of like the Michelangelo thing, like it takes, I feel like a lot of the songs that I'm most proud of took take so long to finally come about like it's you know you're right you have like one line uh, and you have like a melody and you record that into your phone and it's just like it's just like a tiny little seed and you kind of you can spend you know like like you're saying like uh, you can spend like a whole year like hashing that out and like or just repeating repeatedly playing it and and being like okay uh, have i made any progress on this or maybe this isn't a thing like maybe i thought it was good but and it's kind of like i tried i tried to write a, like a song with this melody like 10 times with this guitar if i you know I, I made like 10 versions of a song with this and none of them work and then it might be and i mean it ha- that's happened to me with songs uh, a song called uh georgia from my first album and a song uh from my most recent album called laid on me right especially that la- the song laid on me i had a guitar riff that i wrote in 2012 and i was like this is a song like i was like any day now this is going to be a fully written song here and then it wasn't until and I wrote various versions and then it wasn't until the start of uh, 2017 and I went into a songwriting session with a guy uh, in Malibu and I don't know it was just like a good moment like I was we were kind of, I was playing the guitar and he's like, oh, there's something there. And I was like, oh, this thing, is, this thing's dead. Like there's nothing here. <laughs> I was like, I'm just filling in time until it's like we go home. And then, <laughs> and that's funny how that always happens. Like you, sometimes the better ideas are the ones that you're just like, I'm just going to say some stuff now because, you know, there's nothing else happening. And um, and uh, he started to sing a melody over it and it was like, kind of totally unlocked the song. And there were other other ideas that I'd been kind of working on for a while. That we kind of glued it together, and it was like, you know, in one hour, this song that had been totally, kind of like, kind of, I guess, um, just like stagnant and like it had stalled, and then all of a sudden it kind of just blossomed into a song, and it was like, ah, oh, what a relief! Like this whole, and it's kind of like a relief of like baggage because you have like this idea that's kind of weighing, weighing on you, and you've you've kind of been like, oh, like all this, all that, all that time investing hope in that idea, and it's maybe it won't go anywhere. Um, which is fine, and it 's good to have a waste. I feel like there was a lot of a waste basket filled with songs that never got off the ground, but every now and then it's not I almost feel like there 's ideas like in a storeroom, and it 's like you clean out the storeroom or you clean out that that closet with ideas and it 's like oh that's out like finally made something out of that. I almost think of it like as like a. Tr- it's like you've got a garage full of trash, and it's like you've got like some weird bicycle spoke with like a stick in it, and it's like oh, if I put something onto that, it'll somehow make some kind of object that makes sense. So that was my Michelangelo, trying to. I love that. I feel like that I, how do you
0: up. know when if you've got say say you you've got this. Mm you know, line that you love or you've got this, you, mm. know, you know, piece of music that you love or this, mm. you know, one particular you know, riff or whatever it is that mm. you love but you haven't found a space for it. Mm. How do you know when to stop persisting with trying to find that new space for it mm. and kind of put it back into the cupboard and go, mm. you know what, I'm not going to think about that for a while. I'm mm. going to let that go for a while and, and move on. Are you mm. good at that? Is that something that you are easy and able to do? Or will you like sit with that going, this should be working, this should be something mm. and mm. and keep trying to unpick it?
1: Um, I, I definitely will, will be like, and I feel like that thing you were saying about the visiting radio stations and that just persistence and like just doing the work, I feel like that, almost it ties in with it because it's like there's that balance between like you know dialing into the frequency and maybe there's some kind of fluke moment but it's almost like it's always it's always like that fluke moment it's like they exist maybe maybe they rely on each other like to have the or that's at least what i'll tell myself because i will never stop picking away at that idea until it's like frustrating but i feel like there's that persistent like trying and trying and trying and trying and trying i think almost you just keep trying until you kind of almost like feel like you've you've gone down every dead end and you're like oh, i don't know but, like, but like- i feel like that it's almost like you have to well i don't know what you have to do and i don't know and i and i read paul kelly i read paul kelly's uh, memoir and he talks about like putting the guitar down and like picking it up and he's got like his fingers are like no longer calloused and he's like fingers hurt when he plays and I'm like I wish I could be that chill maybe you're that chill when you've written all the classic tunes but yeah, yeah I don't know
0: yeah when you've got like you know 30 iconic songs under your belt you're <laughs> yeah. like you know what I'll just take a bit of time off the guitar something will come to me <laughs> yeah exactly well I mean how do you uh deal with that I, I reckon what I'd like to do is start mm. where we are now and then we we can work backwards if we get to working backwards mm. but I'm i'm aware of the fact that like you know if people want to kind of hear about how you got to being here there mm. are some other places that they can you know piece that together yeah. what i'd love to talk about first is mm. where you are right now like how do you feel about you mm. know yourself your music mm. what it is you're trying to do with those sort of things i mean you know how the new album is out now mm-hmm. uh uh we're going home is mm-hmm. the which is a just a You know, when you write one of those, I feel Mm. like in 20 years, you know, Mm. you you can Paul Kelly style, you know, take some time off. Like, I mean, to write a song that is just, I I was saying it to everyone in the station this morning, but it's Mm. just like a, a perfect pop song. Mm. And I mean that in the way that, like, you know, Paul Kelly writes perfect pop music mm. and Neil mm. Finn writes perfect pop mm. music. It's one of those things that, you know, you can hear in a cafe mm. and at the gym or as I did the other night when I was walking home from my show, mm. I just put it on repeat as I was mm. walking through the city because it was just a really nice thing to, like, you know, listen to as I was walking through the city of Melbourne, you know. Oh, like, have an intimate experience with a song. You know, mm. like, actually listen to the lyrics and try mm. to work out what, you know, it was about to you or mm. what it meant to me and, mm. you know, what I was liking about it. So, where are you at with all that? Like, mm. where where are you in that process? Mm. Like, how long did it take to put together? You know, where you are right now. Like, mm. tell, give me a sense of what your world looks like right now. Yeah,
1: um, I guess right now it's there's a little bit of a, a breathing moment before. Um, I guess the album came out about a month ago, and I did we did a, a small European tour, but um, we really are doing the proper big show. Uh, you know, probably a slightly bigger show in terms of scale than we've ever done before. In terms of having people that have kind of designed a show with like a proper stage setup uh and you know like the band on risers um, <laughs> <laughs> i think we usually jono jono our bass player i know i've mentioned him like three times i feel like he listens to this so maybe i was just like subliminally like you know he's yeah. told me about it before so I've, I've just like referenced him a couple of times but i don't think he ever likes standing on a riser but he's taking a break on this next run for a few months so we're definitely going to get the bass riser in while he's away um <laughs> but Uh, So we've got a breather before doing like a a bunch of shows. I think it's like 70 shows later this year. And I don't know, actually, when I left the radio station this morning, I was feeling like, oh, I'm like, and it was almost like a little bit of moment of stress, which is kind of doesn't make, it was silly. But I was like, oh, wow, I like, you know, made a second album and I feel really good about the songs. And it's like, I guess uh, you hope that radio stations play your songs, but you, you, you don't write them, you know, you know, with like the kind of, you know, you don't intend that like, you're like, oh, this will sound good on radio. Or, this is what I have to do to have a song on radio because it's like putting the, you know, it's just the wrong way to go about it. So you just write the songs that that come out. Um, and, but it's nice that, you know, I feel like I've, you know, f- somehow, you know, you get to that point after chipping away for a, for a couple of years where you've got a, a body of work. And um, I was just thinking, oh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't like have, I'm uh, glad it didn't kind of, you know wasn't too much of a uh, you know a distraction the idea of having to meet you know the same level as my first album or having to have a song as you know I never really thought oh I better have a song as popular as Riptide because it felt like that song is a song like that is so it's like that's like lightning in a bottle you can't really just make that happen so I don't know I was just thinking oh wow that kind of somehow I just had a moment of thinking oh wow it's nice to have just to be on the other side of that and then to just be at the start of this process of, I guess, you know, uh, playing the new album, kind of promoting it. But I was also just like, oh, wow, that kind of just happened. Like I was, it's almost like I was coming up for air or something, that kind of idea. Well, that's interesting
0: to me because I I can imagine that even if you never had that thought, that plenty of other people had that thought. Yeah, You know, plenty of other people were like, you know, because because almost because of the success of mm. Riptide, like you said, it's one of, just mm. one of those things where it was mm. a song that was not only, you know, a, just a, a perfect, you know, song in the way that it was, but it was perfect for the time. Mm. that it, You know, all those things that, you know, are mm. needed for something to sort of, you know, become what that song became mm. all came together at once. And you'd be absolutely crazy to think that you could ever do that again. Yeah. But, but what you want to do is do something that, you feel is equal to that. That, that isn't mm. the only thing that ever, anyone's ever going yeah. to. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are a million other people who are sitting around, you know, at the record company going, fuck, I hope he writes another riptide. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, that's,
1: that's, it's, and that's, ex- but that's not even. you don't even have to change any words in that sentence that's the, that's exactly it <laughs>
0: um so how is it that you managed to mm. avoid that in your world and your mm. brain like how yeah. how did you like what was your process like you know how long did it take mm. you to kind of put together the album when did you mm. know that like i think mm. this is done you know because the other thing you could do mm. is become you know guns and roses chinese democracy and mm. you know just work on the album for 10 years or 12 mm. years to try mm. to get it perfect you you know, yeah. how do you know when you're going, No, I think this is what yeah, this is done. Mm. How long does that process take and and what does it feel like when you go, No, I think this is I think this is it. I think we it's mm. time to record this and put this out to people. Yeah.
1: Um with the uh yeah, with the idea of like Riptide and trying to I guess what would be the next step after that, I think um I was talking Well, I heard a I was actually in a songwriting session with a guy named Dan Wilson who's a really uh, awesome songwriter and he was in a band called Semisonic that, yeah, that absolutely. had closing closing time and he's written a bunch of amazing songs and he is like you know he now he writes songs mostly and he still writes his own stuff for himself and he's an awesome dude and he um he was like you know when people would ask him to like write that song again or whatever other song again he'd be like I can do anything else but that exact thing like and i I felt like I feel like that with like Riptide it's like I can do something else it's like and I guess that's what's exciting about songwriting is that you can explore other things and you can find something that is exciting to you and explore it, and maybe if you follow that instinct, you can find some some fresh idea that is there um so i for me, it was just you know i you know following the instinct and also just you know it's like there's a feeling you might get when you write a song that's like. for whatever reason it's like that there's something there there's something that is like interesting me and and is holding me and kind of keeping me interested and you know you might get you know people talk about getting chills when they play and that doesn't always happen but sometimes you might get like a chill when you play or you might it just for whatever reason there's a connection that you're like okay this has that quality it might not have it in like steroid level which is like some songs might just have that it's like if you write the most classic song ever it's like Far out. That's got steroid level flavor. But some songs, well, every song I feel like to meet the criteria of being like worthwhile or making sense, it has some little bit of that. Um, so I usually just follow that instinct and feel like I don't know. It's and it's just like it's just it's not even something that's really measurable. It's just like a feeling. But I feel like having enough of making songs that meet that criteria, and then just trying to just do it over and over again, and trying to build as many of those songs up. And, and and put them, you know, kinda like put them around like a song like Riptide so that people who do wanna like and a lot of people won't. Like even when I listen to like songs on like Spotify, I'm just like just like play like the bang and then the next one comes on I'm just like catch you later like I'm like I- I- I'm i like the guy that I don't want to be but I, can't oh, oh,
0: I would say this though as a bit of a tip to any uh, artist out there because mm. I know people used to put their albums together like I want this song to go into this song and you know the mm. idea of an entire album mm. I would now say if you've got a banging single put whatever you think your next best song is the one after that <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah. Spotify because yeah, yeah. if I've moved away from my computer <laughs> or whatever I'll get into the second half I've like I've really, uh, yeah. so one of my favourite songs to listen to before mm. um, uh, a stand-up show, for whatever reason, mm. uh, is uh, Chandelier by Sia. Oh, I just, Clear. yeah. There's yeah. just something about that like, <laughs> song that I just, is a perfect song to listen to before mm-hmm. I go on stage. Oh. Uh, but the next song is a song called uh, Cheap Thrills. Uh, on, on the Spotify yeah. which I had never really been that familiar with yeah. and now know very well and then the <laughs> other day when it rolled on in I was like, you know what, I'm gonna listen to Two tunes <laughs> as well. This is not a bad song either <laughs> that, but that, I
1: love those two songs. But yeah, I mean like that's like that's like the just the most bangerist banger ever. So it's that's that's exactly the way you need to like put your album together.
0: Uh, so uh, here's what um, I wanted to ask you. you've you mentioned a couple of times already uh, talking about working with other people writing songs um, you tour with a you know a band it's a you know it's a show mm. I mean like technically you could you know put some symbols between your knees and do the mm. whole thing yourself you know yeah. clearly there's something in you that enjoys the idea of mm. collaboration as being part of mm. your process so talk to me about collaboration and what mm. you get out of that and where that comes from
1: yeah um well, I feel like I love, I love. I played in a, I was in a band after high school, um, and uh, we were called Hypersonic, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we played a few gigs. We played at the Swan on a Tuesday night. Uh,
0: uh, what, what sort of music was Hypersonic? Uh,
1: Hy- Hypersonic played a lot of music that sounded exactly like Block Party because right. it was like two thousand and six, okay. and um, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, it was just. Almost, almost like exactly like it was like v- too close, <laughs> right? Like, but so I the think, only
0: person who really could have done with the music was Block Party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It was, yes, it was. But it was good. It was a good uh, learning curve for collaborating. And there was a song we wrote called Disco, which when I I think I'm obviously like I think I'm totally biased and also nostalgic about the moment we wrote that. But it was just at my friend Andre's house in his you know the room where we would just kind of like jam out and um some he was playing a bass riff and you know my friend will who (coughs) doesn't play drums he plays a little bit of drums now but he's like not doing music he was like oh maybe play the riff like go to the next note higher and then i was like oh and then liam the guitar was like go to the next note and it was like it was just a nice moment of everyone just like throwing in ideas about how to how he should move make his next move and as a result the chord progression was like so different to something I would play because even now I feel like my chord progressions are like more typical like pop songs where it's like four chords and they're kind of like really like those progressions that feel right and like I feel like when I first heard you know a four chord progression even if it's like a minor c g d just feels so good and I was like this feels like a song like this feels like it's got it's got a journey in that progression that's like resolves beautifully and it's like I feel like a lot of my songs it's almost like if you if you take away all the other elements it's like oh that's like those chords and it's obviously like to make it a good song it has to have so many other things that are like you know making it more complex or whatever but um yeah so we made a riff that was like totally unique and then I started singing over it and we made this kind of cool song that even now I'm like oh that's cool and it was like we were all doing something more than just ourselves. and I feel like when I've had good experiences collaborating especially in terms of songwriting it's like it's like oh like you sang that melody and it's like totally just unlocked the song for me. And and with a producer, it's the same thing with a good, a good producer. They'll play like a little piano line. Like when I was first went to a studio in Seattle and worked with a guy called Ryan Hadlock, he, um, he just has like a certain, like, he just got, you know, got a little keyboard and started playing a line and it kind of, I was like, that's like the best thing ever. Like this, this song was like, like I was like, Oh, this is a good song. I, I, I felt like it was like made sense, but that, line it just like raised the song to another level and I was like, oh, you're a magic guy. Like you've added this special thing. And even and and I always will want to go back to working with him because and we did a few more songs with him on this album because it's like his strength is like some weird, you know, it's like he just just added some vibey little keyboard and it was like Yeah. So I love I love that. And it's like it's like um I think that those rare moments when you do have a, a collaboration where you totally get some awesome connection or someone adds a flavor that you never anticipated and it raises the song It makes it like way better than it was. I think that's like awesome. So the same, the songwriting and, and, and production and my drummer Ed kind of will will do that and he'll dress the songs up, you know, so much better than I, you know, could have en- envisaged and if I was left alone with a producer and they're like, you know, I feel like we would, without Ed's percussion and his rhythm and his, his whole approach to rhythm, I think like it's such a big part of what people probably associate with what sounds like, you know, my music. And it's like it's not just like my, my guitar playing and my voice. It's probably some cool rhythm that he does. It's it's quite subtle maybe and it's probably not even it's not necessarily grabbing your attention and pulling your focus, but it's like yeah, it's a big part of it.
0: Uh, a lot of <clears throat> people when people can't see the work that others are doing, are uh, mm. hesitant to give people credit for that work. You know, mm. I um uh, I'm don't. i I'm certainly of the belief that you don't lose anything on, by giving people the proper credit for what they do. Mm. But is that something that you've always... It seems to come quite naturally to you. Mm. Like, you know, you, there's no pretense with you to say, you know, I wrote with these other people or that, you mm. know, Ed, you know, yeah, contributes this much that you probably mm. associate with, you know, something I'm getting a pat on the back for. Mm. These are things that you tend to offer without me prying mm. about them. Mm. Is that something that you've always... Mm you know, done? Are you always a person who's kind of given mm. everyone credit or is that mm. something that you've developed as you've, mm. you know, kind of moved through this? Do you have a sense of that? I mean, it may not even be something that, yeah you know, anyone said to you before. but No,
1: no. I think, yeah, I think there was an, initially, like even with a song like Lay It On Me, it was, a, it was a song that I co-wrote. Um And I think initially it was like, you know, it was like, do we, you know, when I'm talking about it, do I say that I wrote the song with someone else? And it's like, uh, yeah, it's funny because like, uh, it's easier as well, just to be honest, to be like, well, I wrote this song with Dave, and and as I have a better story that way, it's like I, I I don't have to you know tread this line where I'm kind of like, oh, I had this guitar riff and then imagine then I had this song and it's like, <laughs> it's like <I> don't, <laughs> it was like that's the a hard yada, thing. Yada, yada 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 it's like it's there's no there's no story there but at least with him it's like I actually did have a really good connection with him like I went into the studio with him in Malibu and uh he was like. You know, we'd say he'd say a few things, and it, and it's actually scary in a songwriting session to to kind of step out into this the unknown part because you can just be like, oh, cool, he's playing a riff, I'll just sing whatever, and like we don't have to push it. Maybe maybe we don't say, oh, I don't really like what you're playing, but it's like sometimes I feel like when you say, oh, actually, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm into that. Even if it's it's sometimes scary to say something that feels like confrontational like that, and it depends. My personality is kind of like I don't want to like offend anyone, so it's like <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. So it's like that, when you do say that, oh, let's try something else, it's like it breaks down the barrier and it's like maybe we're communicating more directly. And I think that's what happened between us, me and Dave Bassett. It was like, he's like, cool, like no egos, you know, like that. And it was it was a really important stepping stone towards getting to the those two songs that we wrote together in a couple of days. And so, yeah, I'm like far out. Like he's such a big part of those songs. And then we had such a good connection that he ended up producing about six songs on the album. So I think... Um, yeah, I, I just it's easier just to give him the the credit he deserves, and I also want to work with him again. So. <laughs> well, he's I a big to... listener of the podcast, so I'll <laughs> yeah, appreciate yeah, the yeah, shout yeah. out.
0: Yeah. Um. So I, I always think of in my job, you know, there's two really. I'm currently doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival, so, <clears throat> um, and I always talk to people about the idea that I'm right about now. I'm like. Fifteen, sixteen shows into the new tour, That's which huge. means that the show is pretty much starting to feel like it's going to be pretty much the same as this. Up until this point, it's still been a process of creation, mm-hmm. and from now on, it will be a bit more a process of recreation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you as an artist, you've gone through, you know, these couple of years of creating. You mm-hmm. know, you're—I you, mean, obviously, you're still playing and stuff at mm-hmm. the same time, but you've created these mm. new songs and you have this new album mm. and now you're going to move into this like period of time where it's not about, you know, writing songs mm. or constructing songs. Mm. It's about, you know, taking those songs out and then performing those songs, mm-hmm. which is a the same job as you were doing the, before, but a completely different skill set of things mm. that it takes to do that job. And yeah. with that comes the idea that you're going to be out doing interviews mm. and doing promotion. Again, mm. a thing that people probably don't think about as being part of, your Mm. creative process, but Mm. it's part of the process of getting people to listen to the music and come and see your shows. Mm. So do you see that, do you notice that? And is there one of those States that you prefer more, or is it the fact that all of those things are part of the process? Like, Mm. I mean, I can imagine there's some people who only Mm. who write songs now, but don't perform because Mm. They love writing songs, but they don't really like performing songs. Mm, mm. There's some people who probably don't like writing songs, but love, you know, performing. There's Mm. an there for that sort of music as Mm. well. Mm. And then there's what you are, which is you're, you know, constructing it, but also then performing Mm. it. So Mm. I just tell us a little bit about the difference Mm. between those two things and what you Mm. like about them and Mm. what you don't, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that, uh, and I, I think, you know, I guess when you even like to go back to Sia, It's like, I think she, you know, I, I, I watched, I'm kind of a fan of hers. I watched interviews with her maybe just before she kind of stopped doing press and maybe before her, she had like so many absolutely incredibly amazing pop bangers that it's like, she kind of almost like kind of redefined what she wanted to do and like, she doesn't have to do maybe, she does it in a different way, but it's like totally unique approach to promotion and stuff, which is, she's awesome. Um, but for me, it has been a lot of, it's like the season, it's like different seasons. It's like season of writing. And then a season of like, almost like the well is kind of empty or it feels like it is. Maybe you're just telling yourself it is, but, and you're doing those, all that promotion. And I, and I, I feel like when I'm playing shows and you're playing the same set repeatedly, um, I like to look in the crowd and like, like look at people's faces and like, try and like look in people's eyes every now and then without being too freak creepy <laughs> so, um, and, and, and then I'm and I, I don't know exactly what the right approach is because I feel like maybe maybe if I'm just like play the song and smile like does the crowd know the difference <laughs> does the crowd know the difference between like a real smile like yeah. I'm really happy and smiling and looking in someone or do they know maybe if I just look like into the the, the exit sign and smile like is the person in the crowd having you know? Does it, I don't have any control maybe over what they're experiencing, so I I don't know. It's, I guess when you pl- those are the kind of thoughts you might have after like playing the same show fifty times, and you're like, maybe uh, maybe I'm just like maybe it doesn't matter. Like maybe I'll just you know. And that sounded kind of like a ne- it sounds like kind of like negative or something, but I think your mind just trails like that, and it's nice every, every now and then. There's a moment where you, you know maybe someone yells something out, or maybe you just say a different story or you're tired and, and you, you start talking between songs in a, in a different way and it's the unrehearsed way and it totally just like pours like a fresh bunch of water over, it rejuvenates the whole set and everyone's kind of like in the moment because something unscripted happens. So I think, I guess those moments will happen and it's like, those are the ones that make the shows sometimes stick out and, and make them more memorable than the other shows. And I guess for the crowd, you hope that they're like, you know, that, that it's like the same for them every time. I don't know, but you can definitely, I, I'm sure it's like, it is that thing of recreation. It's like, it. you want it to be that authentic moment of like, this is a genuine smile and like, I am laughing with joy now. And, you know, it's like, I guess you can't make, you can't make it happen every time. Uh, but yeah, so I guess I got a bit, well, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, I, that's nice. I like, I like that. That's what I am interested in. How do you deal with the actual practicalities of, your job because Mm. one part of it i imagine you can do you know staying in the same place like the writing you know Mm. you could. you go i'm going to go and live here for you know Mm. amount this amount of time and i'm going to write with this person or Mm. i'm going to you know like set up at home and i'm going to you know Mm. do that whereas once you start touring the Mm. thing suddenly you're living out of a suitcase you're Mm. on the road Mm. like um do you enjoy that aspect of it how are you as a traveler as a Yeah,
1: I feel like I've been traveling like even when I was making the album, I was like staying at Airbnbs for a week or two and then going to songwriting sessions and it was always just like pretty like, you know, a suitcase life and it was pretty, you know, um, transient or whatever. And so I even now it's like I feel like I didn't have that setting up really home base and there wasn't like a sense of like, hey, I'm moving to London and I'm like going to be living in London now. I was like, hey, I'm moving to New York. It was like there was no official... (laughs) like you know like setting up or doing something kind of like that which i've seen other friends do uh, and and even other musicians do like we're setting up home base it was like there was never any of that it was kind of like i'm gonna go stay at my parents house for two weeks and then i'm going to stay in an airbnb in seattle for two weeks and then i think i'm just gonna be back at my parents for two weeks and it's like that's the kind of story that isn't as exciting when people are like oh so like what kind of what kind of deep love did you find in between your two albums and i feel like often and I I think even my friends will be like, where did you write this song? Like, you don't even have a girlfriend. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I like I live in the world and like (laughs) 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 I live in the world. I have had girlfriends in the past. I read books. I watch movies. uh, I watched a movie on the plane that I found really inspiring. It's like, that's kind of, I guess, that's the unromantic or the unglamorous stuff. But I feel like a lot of that stuff, like living out of a suitcase and which I've probably gotten pretty used to and to the point where my suitcase is like, I opened it up, and my dad's like, "Wow, it's, it's pretty neat." Like, like you have like a few different bags there for like dirty stuff, and stuff's folded. And I'm like, "I know, I wasn't always like this, but you, like this is whole, my house. This is my house. This is <laughs> my whole house. <laughs>
0: this is my whole house, Dad."
1: And I'll be like, don't touch that! Don't touch that! That sock has to fold just so." <laughs> and it's like I catch myself doing that, like folding like a sock, and then I was like, or folding a jumper, and then I look at it, and there's like a drawstring that's in, and I'm like. I'm like, I I feel like that's when I'm like telling myself that I need to like do something different. Maybe I'm like, you should definitely get on a dating app, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I also feel like, yeah, I I can't always give like, especially when friends or people who listen to my songs are like, you must have experienced some kind of life altering moments in between those two albums. And it's like, ah, they're not really life altering. Like, you know, I definitely was like inspired by music and, Always listening to music and and like uh, you know inspired by things that I read and 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 reflection on like memories and experiences and things that I hear, but it's almost like in that if you're doing that, it's like you're observing. You're not necessarily like being fully engaged in like <clears throat> I've, I, when I've when I've been in relationships that are like <clears throat> super overwhelming and like head over heels stuff. It's like I think I don't think I was writing any any songs that I was writing then were just like almost uh, you know uh, a product of like that you know giddiness but they weren't like there's nothing like substantial that i think i wrote during those periods
0: uh were you uh are you uh were you uh um uh, do you write a, a song for a girlfriend and play uh, the song you, have you been that guy
1: no no i i haven't been that guy and i, I say yet <clears throat> because i've read you know i i've written i wrote a song uh, on my this most recent album that was like a memory that was kind of very much just a childhood memory of when I fell off my bike and then it kind of tells a little story about, you know, my family. And I was like, I don't do that. I don't like write autobiographical song. Like I thought that was like, you know, f- weird. Like I, I know I just f- I thought that that was something that I didn't do um, just because I hadn't done it yet. And so I was like, oh, well, that door's open now. So I think maybe I will write a song about a girlfriend. And then I was watching the George Harrison documentary and <clears throat> uh, in it uh, George Harrison's uh, ex-wife talks about when uh, Eric Clapton wrote her well he claimed to write Layla for her and he played it for her and she's like like, she's like like, what could I do it's the most beautiful song and like it was overwhelming to have this song written for me and uh, I can't imagine like being I don't know maybe if I was head over heels and also like I really knew someone well and I was like and I actually did write the song for them I would be like sit down I want to play you a song but uh, if I did it now it'd be like hey we met last week I wrote this song for you (laughs) 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 <laughs> I wrote this song for you two years ago and it would just be like disingenuous. So I, I can't see a situation when I would, could actually do that. But maybe I'll do it.
0: Uh, you, maybe you just have to take them to the beach a lot, like, get them caught in a riptide yeah. and then backdate the whole story. Backdate it. I'd be like, have you heard this song? And i will be like,
1: where do you live? <laughs>
0: um. So love is that an important thing to you is it something Mm. that like is on your mind in a general sense like you know Mm. like yeah the idea that you have love to give to another person or that you know Mm. you have stuff that you want to share with somebody else
1: yeah i definitely i think that um i think as well i think uh, seeing a lot of friends now because i I just turned 30 and a, a lot of my friends are probably i feel like some of that sense like i feel like when i was 24 25 there was more of a sense of like oh, i've got to hang out with my mates i've got to go to meredith and like the world revolves around going to meredith with my mates (laughs) and then it's funny how like that certainty of like and that sense of like how solid that friendship group is and it is solid but it's also like you know in the last couple of years everyone's kind of you know some of my mates who have and and it's been awesome seeing them like in committed relationships and, and seeing like you know and everyone's kind of you know Uh, priorities have changed a bit and it's like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like, I guess Meredith, but like, like, cool, but like, I also want to go home like after one night. Like, (laughs) not, not in a bad way. (laughs) Maybe I'll stay, maybe I'll stick around, but it's also, I think it was just seeing that and also feeling like, oh, it'd be cool. And from knowing what it's like to have, you know, a partner in crime, knowing that how good that is, like, and to, to, to to be at Meredith, but not as like a lone, lone, lone wolf kind of like, you know, like, you know, like, whatever
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think we all know i don't think you have to say (laughs) yeah yeah
1: um (laughs) it's nice to be there with someone be like oh like do we let's just go to bed or let's do something else let's get away and so it's it's i think having that having that person there is a nice way to give you kind of i don't know what it is it's almost like you get it you kind of can um it's it just gives you like uh what am i trying to think of it's like um it's just the the ability to kind of like to go away but you fill in those those empty moments those moments that would what i would spend like hotel room alone or like night alone it's kind of like if when you're i think when you're single you fill in those moments you're kind of like oh four hours what do i do now like i gotta go fill up that space whereas when i was in you know a long long long-term relationship it was like Oh, yeah, like we like, we like watch, like, um, yeah. have whatever a cup of tea is- and watch eight episodes of a Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, and then, and that all that time would have s- just sailed by without me even thinking about how to, you know, occupy that space. Right. And uh, I feel like being on tour, you're you're constantly marking time before Soundcheck, before the show. You're like, okay, I'll do go to the gym or, you know, just whatever it is. And then it's funny, coming off the road, which should be holiday time, it's sometimes, you know, actually, it's almost like the opposite of singles like Freedom, but. I think maybe there's more freedom having someone that's like, allows you just to be like, oh, we don't have to go anywhere. You don't, there's no stress to like fill up this time. It's like eight episodes of show, you know, how I met your mother. Let's watch that. You yeah. know, it's like,
0: and it's Whoa. fine because you're doing it with somebody. Yeah, doing yeah. it by yourself. You're like, oh, my life's really sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Man, I watched so many episodes at the office, like at my Airbnb in LA. It's like, oh, this is a nice Airbnb. Oh, this is a nice dinner I just ordered myself. Oh, how funny is Steve Carell and (laughs) laughing? And I'm just like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I needed I needed someone to like totally yeah put like give put some perspective on it all.
0: Uh, okay, so um, uh, we have mm. to start finishing up because, uh, well, I mean, you have to leave, and I have a show to do, so we probably need to do that.
1: Massive day for you, uh, right.
0: but uh, well, I'm so glad that we could squeeze this in because I know you're uh, about to leave the country and not come back until September. Yeah. Uh, you're doing shows. I know you're doing Melbourne. You're playing Rod Laver Arena, uh, and mm. they've just put on a, another show. Is that yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. So another Rod Laver Arena. Yeah. So, that's interesting to me. So, Rod Laver Arena, for those who are overseas, is like a very big venue. And mm. it's, you know, Melbourne's your hometown, right? Mm. So, playing, you know, Rod Laver Arena, which is as big as it gets in, mm. in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, when you decide to book mm. Rod Laver Arena, um, I guess that, you know, everyone's hopeful that you're going to sell enough tickets to sell yeah. out Rod Laver Arena. Mm. But there's got to be a bit of you goes, well, you know, we might not sell them all. We yeah. might, you know, get yeah. close enough. Yeah, like yeah. if if we get this many people at Rod Laver Arena, it's still going to be a mm. good night. Yeah, exactly, Okay. Yeah. So you have that thought, right? Mm-hmm. And then it sells out, mm. and then someone comes along and goes, "We're going to put on a second show." Yeah. Now it's okay to put on a second show if you're at the corner because mm. you can sell another 300. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're literally starting again with mm. a whole other Rod Laver Arena. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. It's good, and obviously, I think you obviously know know this at this uh, you know the whole idea of this uh you know shows and selling them out and so that it, it's exactly basically the the way that, that it goes down and you're kind of like you know it's like oh is that a bit ambitious you know like rod lever, and in, in not in a way that's like i'm trying to be too humble or something it's like you're just like okay like cool and then you're kind of like okay does everyone think this is a valid thing and obviously everyone knows what they're talking about and doing so you're like okay cool and then you know uh when that when the tickets were so uh you know like you know the response was so strong. It's like, oh, amazing. And then the same, that conversation happened where my managers were like, so we're considering another one. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, we're not going to go to a slightly smaller venue or whatever. And right. they're like, no, nah, they're like, you know, like obviously <laughs> you've, you, they've, they've, you've got curtains at Rod Laver, so you can black out areas. So you can make Rod Laver arena as big or small as you want it to be, which apparently is true. <laughs> I think people still know they're in an arena, even if like we've curtained off like half of it. So we'll see how much curtains we need. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, get more curtains, but um, no, but that was that was the thing, and it, the philosophy was like, if if there are people that are still want tickets, like ma- make it available, and it's like, cool, like it's not, it's like you won't be touring for a while after this, so it's like, if it's like six thousand people in Rod Laver Arena, get some curtains, but it'll be enough, it'll be enough to create a, you know, to make to to make a proper show there, and it's like you know those there might be 7000 it's like well that's maybe slightly too big for another venue so just just do it
0: so the interesting thing about that to me is just your your thought process in that mm. because there's got to be a moment where you go dudes, we've sold out Rod Laver Arena. Like, Can we not just be happy with the fact that we're going to do a sold out show at Rod Laver Arena Mm. unless the second one sells out, which let's hope (laughs) it does, right? That's why you put it on. You put it on in the hope Mm. that the first one sold so quickly Mm. that it shows that there's a demand that hopefully you sell yes. it the other one. Mm. But there's also that other bit of your brain that goes, no, 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 that was the exact amount of people who right wanted to see me. We yeah, literally yeah. had booked the exact right <laughs> venue I and know, we I haven't know. moved another I ticket know. since. I know. I How know. do you then go, you know what, fuck it. I'm not going to you know, you know, take the easy option here, which is to go, no, no, we did it. Let's yes. just lock this in and sell it this. <clears throat> Let's roll the dice and see what we're capable yeah. of here. How does that thought process come about in your mind?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess this probably, and this probably is reflection on the way I operate. It's like, um, <clears throat> I think I probably have a little bit more involvement in like, or at least I, I, I stay I stay atop like how sales are going. And, and sometimes I regret, I'm like, I'll tell, ask Rachel, my manager, like, could you send me like how the ticket sales are going? And like, almost, I don't even want to know sometimes. Like, I don't necessarily want to know that there's only 400 tickets sold in Reno. Cause like, it, I just don't need that in my brain. You right. know, like, I feel like, we'll just get there on the night. And it's like, Oh, it'll feel full that's fine and like that's the, i guess you want it to feel full so if that's that great so sometimes i don't like to have too many statistics in my head and and i guess as an extension of that when it comes to the second world labor it's like i defer so often to like my managers and the you know our booking agent and stuff so it's like i feel like there's a lot of a lot of decisions it's like it's like dilly dallying, dilly dallying. But in my head, I know I'm just gonna go with like what they say. Like, not 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 always, but for stuff like the business stuff and people who know what they're doing. Like,
0: I well, here's, like, uh, here's yeah. what I'm gonna ask you then, based on that. All right, people hear this podcast. You know, you've been doing the rounds. The, the album's going really well. Hmm. Second show's on sale. It sells out. Hmm. And there's a couple of months to go, and they come to you and they say, James, we'd like to do a third <laughs> I'll
1: be like. i'd put the big x on that and i was saying no i'll be like you're crazy i'll be like we that but also that's that is unfathomable unfathomable that situation and i'm not not even like i just it's not gonna happen but yeah if it did i think you know it's crazy it's it's hard to say no to like those people like but yeah
0: i don't know like who are your i mean obviously to sell that hmm. many tickets uh you know your fans are everyone but um, hmm. Hmm. who do you find it is who is most strongly, yeah, you know, kind of responding to your music?
1: Um, I think when I if I play a show like I played a show in New Zealand recently, it was like my first headline show. It was in a, a small kind of room, maybe about two hundred people, and in that front few rows, it's usually like kind of women, girls, like probably aged. I feel like there was some like teenagers in there, like mostly teenagers, like in the front front few rows, but. <clears throat> Then there's also a lot of couples, like I feel there's a lot of young couples, and when I do meet and greets after shows, it's like, I feel like there's a lot of couples, uh, young people, and then families, like, and sometimes little kids with their parents. Uh, And then, yeah, like, people with their parents actually as well, like a dad with his daughter or, you know, know, a mum, and it's kind of like, there's a bit of that, but I feel like it's probably, I know that. Rach, rach and jad and my managers would have the exact they'd be like facebook reacts activity between <laughs> 19 to 24 year old women that's like that gets that it gets that precise so but i think it's women probably 19 to 26 or
0: the interesting or thing though is <clears throat> like something you said then which i think is true yeah. i like i mean i've just been working at the radio station you came into this morning only for a couple of months you know <laughs> um but i've never seen a wider demographic of people being interested in one of the artists we've had into play. Mm. And we've had a lot of great artists in already mm. to play. But it, it feels like your music, mm. uh, you know, really across the board, mm. you know, kind of appeals to people. But a second thing is something you notice there, which is like parents with their kids, you know, couples there together, it's something that they can share with each other. Mm. And I think that's a, a remarkably cool thing. Yeah. Like it feels like something that, you know, like you said, that idea of like, yeah, watching, you know, how how I met your mother by yourself is sad, but, you know, being able to, you know, share those jokes together makes it kind of something special. Mm. And then you become a part of a bond that, you know, a father has with a daughter or Mm. a a couple have together. Mm. I mean, admittedly, then when they break up, only one of them gets to be a fan of yours and (laughs) keeps all the records and stuff. But, yeah. (laughs) um, All right. I always ask this question and we need to finish up, but so I'm going to ask it for you now, which is, uh, do you have any. idea about um well you don't have to have an idea about this is death a thing that is present in your mind do you think about Hmm. death and do you think about what happens after we die do you have Hmm. are you a like you know practical person when it comes to that do you have some sort of bigger belief in the nature of you know life Hmm. Uh, you know i just like to hear what people say
1: yeah um i think i probably will have a different perspective of it if, if especially if someone really close to me you know dies i think i might have a different idea maybe But I, I, I don't know. I think that, um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of what Alan Watts would say. I like to listen to him talk about stuff. And I feel like, um, uh, I don't know. Like my, my feeling is just like, I believe in like energy and that kind of thing. But I also, I think that maybe, yeah, when you, when you, when it's done, it's done, um, so and i feel like i've only come to kind of think about it a little bit more because my parents are getting a bit older and i'm like i might see an old person i'm like oh man like my parents like are getting older now and so i i feel as well like i want to um just kind of like you know not feel like i'm holding on to like not being too frugal or whatever it is with anything because it's like you know so silly like any even any negativity it's so dumb when you think about the fact you're only here for such a short amount of time it's like you hear someone that says like a snide comment or someone says something like bitchy or boasts and it's like man like that's so weird that we do. why do we even get caught up in that because it's like we are just like here for like you know two seconds so i don't know i i think about that maybe less about you know what happens after but just more about you know this i don't know the finality of it and how how quick it's over
0: Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I'm glad that you made the time. I really appreciate it, sincerely. Uh, the album is out. Uh, tell me what the name of the album is again. I'll do a yep. proper plug at the start oh, with cool. all the information. But, you know, people have listened this yeah, long. Yeah, and they yeah. get to hear the plug at the end as well.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah the album is Nation of Two.
0: And uh, of course, you are touring uh, all over the world basically at the moment, so yep. people can catch you in uh, the US, yep. in Australia. Uh, is there European dates as well? European dates, as European well. dates as well. So you're going to be on the road. So plenty of people listening to this all over the world. So if, uh, you know, if you're coming to that part, I imagine in the UK, there's yeah, you, know, you get that mix of like people who know your music independently, but mm. also that you know, expat Australian. You get the odd Aussie, 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 and you're just like...
1: (laughs) (laughs) You don't know it. I'm sure you get that as well, and you're just like, yeah. You just like look down or something.
0: (laughs) I've not only got it, but I've been it. Because there is that thing about, you know, being overseas. I mean, I remember seeing Paul Kelly in Edinburgh Mm -hmm. in the Spiegel tent in 1999, and I remember going... I, I almost would have yelled out Aussie Aussie <laughs> that night. I was like, it felt like you were part of something special. No, Mate, it's cool. been um, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for doing the show. Thank you.